0: Roosevelt said, Praying mothers are America's greatest asset. In the early 1700s in London, there was a saintly woman who was affectionately known by many as Mama Newton. She and her husband had only one son, her beloved John. John's father was a stern and often absent man. Elizabeth, aka Mama Newton, was a gentle, caring mother who unfortunately would live only a short life. She died, I think, at the age of 32, if I remember correctly, maybe 27. I know it was was one of those two. Because of his mother's warm faith and his father's long absences, John grew to be very close to Elizabeth. As was common in those days, she suffered from tuberculosis, the disease that would eventually claim her life. Among the many symptoms of her tuberculosis was chronic fatigue, which often confined her to her bed. Though Mama Newton was unable to function as she might have wished, she did not squander her limited days. Knowing that time with her son might be short, she determined to make the most of what remained, and so she took on the role of teacher, and she spent hours with John each and every day. He was a quick learner. In his own words, John said, when I was four years old, I could read as well as I can now and could likewise repeat the answers to the questions in the assembly's shorter catechism with the proofs and all Dr. Watt's smaller catechisms and his children's hymns. A catechism is just a system of beliefs, and so you would teach your children this, the Bible is the word of God, and just different statements of belief. And by age four, he could recite all of these doctrinal beliefs and theology and these things that his mom had taught him. John later wrote, as I was her only child, she made it the chief business and pleasure of her life to instruct me and bring me up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Based on her son's quick mind, and easy grasp of theology, Elizabeth prayed and hoped that God would call him to ministry. My mother observed my early progress with peculiar pleasure, he said, and intended from the first to bring me up with a view to the ministry if the Lord should so incline my heart. Sadly, Elizabeth would not live to see such a day. In 1732, it was at the age of 27, I know I put that in my notes, she succumbed to the disease. John, they thought, was two weeks shy of his seventh birthday. So they thought he was too young to see his mother in that state, and so he passed, and a couple of weeks, uh, and was told days later of his mom's passing, did not really get to see her. John Sr. Re- returned from his sailing voyage in the Mediterranean a few months later in 1733, and, and when he found out, he got word, of course, didn't know while he was on the water, there was no way to get him the message. He found out that his wife had died while he had been gone, and he took no, uh, he took, spared no time in remarrying, and quickly remarried, and at the beginning it was okay for John, but, but quickly, John Sr. and his new wife, they had uh, children of their own, and so now uh, John's stepmom really took no interest in his life. John at the age of of, of 11 was attending boarding school, and, and, and he had become very rebellious and very distant from his family, a very angry boy. And so his father decided at the age of 11 that it was time for him to head out to sea as a sailor. And the rest, as they say, is history. John would rebel against God and all of the teachings of his mother from those early days. He would commit horrifying atrocities, would live a life of vile sin. But later, he would experience God's amazing grace. He became a preacher, a hymn writer, and an abolitionist. At the age of 54, after a long life of sin and vice, he would tell his own story, and the story of every Christian in the most well-known Christian song in American history. When he penned those words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, t'was blind, but now I see. When John Newton looked back on his life, he was quick to give credit to his mother. He knew his eventual salvation was inseparable from the early training he'd received on her knee and from the many prayers she had prayed on his behalf. Elizabeth, he said, had stored my memory, which was then very retentive, with many valuable pieces, chapters, and portions of scripture, catechisms, hymns, and poems. And though Elizabeth was gravely ill for all of her son's short life, those six and a half years, she planted and laid a foundation that would lead eventually to him coming to Christ in his later years and giving his life, really answering the prayers that she never got to see answered. Moms, this morning on this Mother's Day message, may I challenge you, like Elizabeth, to make the most of every day and every opportunity. Because none of us knows how many years we will have to love, teach, and train our sons and daughters. And none of us know the profound impact those years of training will bring. Mama Newton's life is a great reminder that all those early lessons are not easily forgotten. That this early foundation that is laid is not soon destroyed and that your labor, and I wanna say this moms, your labor in motherhood is not in vain. Had Elizabeth been able to live and see her son make the choices he had, undoubtedly she would have spent decades wondering if I, if I had taught him in vain. There would have been decades of heartache But those early days, according to John Newton's own words, those early days, much of who he became for God were owed to the investment, the prayers, the love, the training of his mom. This morning I want to bring you, and, and it won't need to be a lengthy message, but I do want to bring you a message entitled, Godly Motherhood. I want us to take a look this morning at two mothers in the Bible that are each only mentioned one time by name. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. If you're following along on a phone or a tablet, I'll be reading from the King James version of the Bible. We're going to look at two mothers in the Bible that are each only mentioned one time by name, and the reason really we know anything about them is only because of their grandson and who their grandson and son became, who they raised for God's glory, this son and grandson Second Timothy, the book of Timothy, first and 2 Timothy, they are what we call Pauline epistles. That just means letters written by Paul, the word epistle, uh, the apostle Paul. Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. He was uh, — Paul was his mentor, Timothy was his mentee, Timothy was that, that young man that was hungry for God's Word, and Paul took him under his wing, and so Paul, Timothy became a pastor. And Paul writes two letters to this young pastor that he had helped to train, that he had loved, that he invested in, and he writes two letters to them, and and in 2 Timothy, chapter number 1, verse number 1, let's look at it together. 2 Timothy 1-1, let's look at the first six verses together. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, who's he writing to, church, to who? Timothy, my dearly beloved son, now this is not a biological son, this is a spiritual son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy." He says, I love you, Timothy. I want to see you, and I thank God for you. Verse 5, notice what he says under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. When I think about the the true faith you have in you, Timothy, and notice what he says here in verse 5, which dwelt first in who, church? In thy grandmother, Lois. And, And also in who? Thy mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. In this passage, Paul takes time to intentionally call attention to two ladies who were previously unknown. The book of 2 Timothy, he didn't include them in 1 Timothy. The book of 2 Timothy was written uh, to Timothy, his dearly beloved son, and it was written shortly before Paul was martyred for the faith. It's in Timothy where Paul says, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm ready to be offered. I'm ready to go. I've fought a good fight. I've I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. He tells us here in, in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, I'm about to go, this book contains the last preserved words of Paul, and of all that he wrote, these were his final words, and he took the time to mention Timothy's mom and grandma, Eunice and Lois. He didn't do that in any other book that he wrote about anybody else that he talked about. But he, he gives us, and I want to talk to us this morning for a few moments, about godly motherhood. He, he really brings attention here to godly motherhood in this chapter, and, and really in what we see only about maybe 30 words total about these ladies, maybe less, but we can see some really important things. I want to give you three thoughts this morning about godly motherhood and godly mothers. Number one, in this passage, I see the praise of godly mothers. The praise of godly mothers. God used Paul, his, his human, uh, uh, penman his human instrument to write, to praise. He gives us an example that, uh, to praise Eunice and Lois. And I believe it's a good thing to be reminded that we should take the time to be thankful for and praise those who have influenced us and who have invested in us and who have, who have helped us along the way. Speaking of the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, what did Solomon say? Solomon say, her children ri- uh, rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praiseth her. The reminder that we ought to, men, I know it's Mother's Day, and so we have a message a lot of times for moms, and moms, if you don't like that, just come back next month. We have Father's Day, and it'll be all about the guys. And just to let you know, we're usually a little nicer to the moms than we are the guys in the messages, all right? Nobody wants a pastor preaching really mean things to moms. For some reason, they don't care if I do that to dads on Father's Day. But I, I know this, this is a Mother's Day service, but may I say... Husbands, children, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, we ought to, as Paul did here, take the time to pray for and praise those who have invested in our lives. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband, he praiseth her. I see the praise of godly mothers. We praise all kinds of things about ladies in our society, don't we? We praise physical beauty. We praise business success and achievement. We praise women that break previously unbroken barriers in some field. We praise athletic achievement. What about praising, the praising of godliness in wives and in mothers? What about the praising of a, of a wife or a mom that has dedicated her life uh, to her family and to her children? And, and praising as Paul did here. Timothy, I remember and I'm amazed by the amazing faith you have, but I want you to remember it dwelt first in your grandma and then in your mom. You didn't get there on your own. It's been said if you're ever driving down a country road and you see a turtle on top of a fence post you know it had some help getting there and the same is true in our lives if we have any we all of us if we've achieved anything in life if God uses us in any way we've had some help getting there there's no such thing as a self-made man God, number one, it's God's grace that we are anything that we are, but God puts people often, moms or dads or influences, thank God for your mom, honor her, praise her, communicate. We get so busy, and I'm guilty of this myself. Hopefully, my mom's not watching because we've texted this week, but I I haven't talked to her on the phone in a while. Mom, I'm sorry, I'm going to call you this afternoon. We get so busy with — and I know she's watching. She watches every afternoon, so I'm going to get a text, Uh, but I already told her I was calling her later this afternoon, all right? We get so busy with our lives that we often neglect to properly communicate with those who are largely responsible for where we are in life. And what did Paul praise about them? Notice again, it wasn't their beauty, it wasn't their portfolio, it wasn't their achievements. What he praised about them was their faith, their godliness. How about we get back to praising people and moms and and wives and ladies and men for their unfeigned faith for the work that they're doing for God. And, and not looking down on, well, she's just a, a wife, she's just a mom, she's just a housewife. In our society, for some reason, it feels like we've kind of minimized that, that role. And I, It's a high and holy calling to be a wife and to be a mother. I remember I used to, before I had children, I used to ask if I would meet somebody, I would say, maybe if they were married with little kids, Oh, do, to the wife, oh, do you work? And I got really smart after I had my first child and my wife um, stayed home with our children and I no longer ask that anymore. I I now always ask, do you work outside the home? Because the reality is, and I'm not just saying this because it's Mother's Day, my wife works far harder than I do. My wife's job is far. She does far more than I do. I could, I could never do what my wife does. And how about getting back to the praise and the priority of godly, uh, being a godly wife and a godly mother, bringing up another generation? It's a good thing to remember, moms and dads, that the greatest thing we do on this earth might not be something that we do, but someone that we raise. A praise of godly mothers. He praised their unfeigned faith. The, the word unfeigned is, if you look in the Greek, it's the, 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 the original Greek word carries the meaning of sincere without hypocrisy. We might call it real, not fake. The youngsters might say keeping it 100, all right? Whatever that is, whatever terminology that is there, uh, that, that unfeigned faith, a great reminder that we should live an unfeigned faith. Moms and dads, I've heard it said of Christian parents, children don't need perfect parents, but they do need real parents. We do our kids a disservice if we're one thing at church and another thing at home. And by the way, all of us have some level of hypocrisy or double standards. None of us are perfect, but but the difference is where we acknowledge that and admit that and apologize for that. Be careful. Don't don't hold up. There's a reason that it seems like often with pastors' families, and the story's not told in my family, I don't know all the decisions our children will make, but often it seems like pastors' families either kind of follow their family into a lifetime of ministry or go the complete opposite route and want nothing to do with the things of God. I don't know all of the reasons. I think some of that is spiritual warfare. I do think there is some, some additional attack on those that are leading in spiritual ways. But I also think from having dealt with a good number of ministry families in the last 23 years, that some of that is because they hear their dad preach one thing and live a completely different thing, and they say if that's the God that he serves, I want nothing to do with it. What did Paul praise? The praise of godly mothers. An unfeigned faith. If the people that know you best respect you least, you you're not winning in life. An unfeigned faith. Number two, the power of godly mothers. What does a godly mom do? She leaves an impact for generations. Isn't that what Eunice did? What do we see here? Three generations. It dwelt first in Eunice and then in Lois, your mom, and now in you. Three generations of great faith and consecration. Not because he didn't say because of another preacher or an apostle or a church. He said because of your godly grandma that passed it down to your godly mom that passed it down to you. What a legacy. What an impact. What power it is to find our priorities. She didn't become, uh, Eunice didn't, didn't, didn't know or see the full impact of her sincere faith for two generations. Some of you would know the name Susanna Wesley. Susanna Wesley, we're told, spent one hour each day praying for her 17 children. Not one hour for each child. That would be a a lot. That'd that'd be like your whole day. But an hour a day she set aside to pray for her 17 kids. And then she said that she sought to every week take, take one hour for each one of them. You stop and think about that in, in prayer and discipleship for her family, 24 hours a week before she did any other uh, duties in her home or care for her family in any other way, 24 hours a week, an hour with each child in discipleship or in training and teaching like like John Newton's mother, and an hour every day praying for her children. It's no wonder that two of her sons, Charles and John, were used of God to bring blessing to all of England and much of America. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist church that that at at one time was a very strong, doctrinally sound movement that reached many, a powerful preacher in two continents, wrote many, he and his brother Charles wrote many hymns uh, that God used. Why? I, I think one of the great reasons, not necessarily their dad or their church or their pastor, but the power of a godly mother. Praying, training, loving, investing. Here are a few rules, and I think these are good to consider, a few rules that Susanna followed in training her children. Number one, she said, subdue self-will in a child and thus work together with God to save his soul. Subdue self-will. Number two, teach him to pray as soon as he can speak. Number three, Give him nothing he cries for, and only what is good for him if he asks for it politely. I saw some folks at the amusement parks this week that could use that one. Number four, to prevent lying. This is a good thought. To prevent lying, punish no fault which is freely confessed, but never allow a rebellious, sinful act to go unnoticed. Number five, commend and reward good behavior. And number six, strictly observe all promises you have made to your child. Her prolific preaching son, Charles, said this, I learned more about God from my mother than from all the theologians in England. The power of a godly mom. Moms, your lives, your examples, your devotion, your love for God impacts your children more than you know. Are we praying? Are we training? Are we investing? Are we modeling spiritual things? Often, like Eunice and Lois, the actions of godly mothers go unnoticed for years, but their impact lasts for generations. Little did Eunice and Lois know they were living their, as they were living their quiet, daily, godly lives, the little life they were impacting. Look at 2 Timothy further down in the chapter, uh, the the, the book, uh, chapter 3, verse number 14. Look at chapter 3, verse number 14. Paul says, 14 and 15, but continue thou, Paul's telling Timothy, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing whom of whom thou hast learned them, verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. From a child, that doesn't happen on accident, parents. The world is not going to teach you the holy scriptures, your children the holy scriptures from a child. If that's going to happen, it's going to be intentional. And yes, the church can partner with you in that endeavor. And yes, the Christian school can partner with you in that endeavor. And we want to. And we do our best. And we have a children's program right now partnering with you in that endeavor. But don't outsource the spiritual development of your children to the church and the youth group and the school. Parents, it's our God-given responsibility from a child that our children would know the Holy Scriptures. We get so caught up in all the things of this world and in this sports practice and in this music practice and these school projects and in this, uh, this business and this job and making this money and do it and there's nothing sinful about any of those things but let's make sure we understand the power and we only have a short season anybody that has children of any uh, that have grown up what do we always tell those that have younger kids enjoy it it goes so quickly it goes so fast we all say it don't we And now I'm living it in my own life, and I'm learning that our season to train is so short. Paul says here, he says, you learned this from your mom and your grandma, it's one reason God's using you now. May I just ask us on this Mother's Day, what are our children learning and seeing in our homes? Are they learning Scriptures from a child? From, from, from their childhood, in their childhood, how are our daily devotions, our weekly commitment to God's house? Moms, your choices matter. You are making a difference, even if it doesn't seem like it. Of the power of his mother's faith, Abraham Lincoln said, I remember my mother's prayers and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. Eunice and Lois didn't know it, but they were raising a boy who would become the trusted companion missionary and assistant to maybe the most influential preacher and missionary in the history of the world, the Apostle Paul. They didn't know it when they were just raising him quietly, teaching him the scriptures, two ladies, a mom and a grandma. They didn't know it, but their son and grandson would be used to co-author seven of the 66 books of the Bible. Paul would write about him in Scripture, and he would say, there is no one like him, speaking of Timothy. When Paul was in prison awaiting martyrdom, what did he do? He asked for who to come for his final farewell? He asked for Timothy to come. What a life. What a life lived for God. Where did it start? It started in the home, the Holy Scriptures, from a child. Do our children see a parent who cares more about our physical appearance, about our social media uh, uh, profile, about the things of this world, or do they see a mom who has an unfeigned faith? God is most important. Her love and dedication to Him is preeminent. And then lastly, the perseverance of godly mothers. The Bible doesn't tell us all of this, and so some of this if somebody wanted to argue with me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stand firm and say I 100% no, but I think we can tell through some of the verses a couple of things. With Eunice, I think we can tell it's pretty clear that either her husband died or he was an unbeliever. With Lois, the Bible tells us that, that he was, um, her husband was a Greek, an unbeliever. And we can learn some things here about the pain of being a mom. I believe at least one of them was undoubtedly at some point a single mom. And I believe that very likely, Lois, when she got married, was probably a heartbreak to her mom, because a Jew and Gentile should not have married. She would have been going against what her mom taught her. She would have been going against—she would have been marrying outside of her faith, which would have been a very big deal. And there had to have been a season there where there was some deep heartache and pain for Eunice and or Lois, and it's possible that Lois, her her husband, we just, we hear nothing of Timothy's dad other than the one verse I'm about to read to you, so we don't know for sure, but it feels very likely based on the way that Paul speaks that either his, his dad was absent or dead, if whatever it was, he had no part in his spiritual development. So can I say this? Here's the reality, sometimes we look around and we say, well, my family's got this mess up in it, and I've got this in my past, and this is happening here, and I didn't grow up in that kind of a family, and my dad wasn't a pastor, and, or whatever. We just, we come up with all these reasons why God can't use us, and why God, and here's what I've learned the longer that I've parented, the more that I've worked with people, the more that I've counseled. I was talking to our, our missionary uh, uh, partner at Hope Children's Home in Tampa this week. We were talking about this as I gave a devotion to their staff. We were talking about The longer that I live and the more people I talk to, it's a very rare family that does not walk through some deep heartache over the pain, the loss, or the decisions that someone in their immediate family makes. And that's why sometimes on a Mother's Day, if you're being honest, for some of you, you struggled a little bit to come to church today because there's some pain associated with your immediate family on some level. Maybe on some decisions a child has made or maybe some ways that a strained relationship with a mom or a dad. Maybe in some heartache or heartbreak that you've watched in your own immediate family. And this morning, I just want to remind you that in spite of all of that, God's grace is enough. No one has the perfect family. No one has lived for God for a lifetime without walking through deep heartache and trials without having pain, without having a broken heart, without wishing they had done something different, without regrets, without seeing some of their own faults and flaws. And sometimes Satan, he's the accuser of the brethren. He's really good at getting us to analyze our past in order to paralyze us from moving forward into our future. And I want to tell you here today that yes, they raised Timothy and they were praised on the inspiration of the Holy Ghost in the last words that Paul would pen in Scripture. They were praised in the opening words. Timothy, I'm so thankful for you, I love you, I remember you, but I want everybody for all eternity to know that without Eunice and Lois, you wouldn't be there. And so I want to praise the godly mothers, and I want to remind people the power of godly mothers, but I'm also going to bring them up to let people know that sometimes being a godly mother means you've got to persevere through some of the deepest, darkest days of your life, because there is no pain like the pain of, of seeing your children hurting. There is no pain seeing your child physically hurting. There is no pain seeing them relationally or emotionally or spiritually hurting. There is no pain like watching them make decisions. And last week we heard a great message from our guest speaker, Dr. Hoover, who talked about when you love someone that is that is emotionally unhealthy and they're making decisions that hurt themselves and others, it brings great, great pain. But I want you to see, you don't need to turn there, but Acts in chapter number 16, I think we have that, that verse on the script, the screen there, Acts 16.1. The the Bible says, Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and this is Paul, and behold, a certain disciple was there named who, church? Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. Again, why did God give us this detail? It, to me, it makes it very clear, because of the context, they wanted us to know that she was a Jew, she believed, she was following God, she had become a Christian, she knew Christ as Savior, but her, her his father was a Greek, and what do we see here? Uh, we, we see that Lois, I think the Bible clearly shows us, had an unbelieving husband, and, and it's an encouragement that you can make a difference, even if your home situation isn't perfect. Every family has challenges, every parent has struggles, but no matter what challenge is facing you, God can use you to influence the next generation for his glory. Again, we don't know the whole story, but the fact that Eunice is mentioned, but the grandfather is not, points to the possibility that she had either a broken home or she was a widow. Uh, we, we don't know that. He may have died earlier. He may not have been a believer, but it didn't say anywhere, Timothy, you learned this from your grandma and grandpa and your mom and dad. It said your grandmother Eunice and your mom Lois. Additionally, the fact that Lois was married to a Greek was very likely a major disappointment to her mother at some point. The fact that she married outside the faith could very well have been a point of strong tension and contention for a while, but it's a great reminder on this Mother's Day that God uses imperfect people and imperfect circumstances for his perfect plan in our lives. Mom, don't quit, don't throw in the towel. Don't throw your hands up in disgust. Regarding motherhood, it's been wisely said, the days are long, but the years are short. Keep going. Keep praying. Keep loving. Keep living for God. It's not in vain. Even after the children are grown, and yes, Mama Newton, your baby boy John, may go on to do horrifying atrocities as a sailor for decades of his life, but God may use those early prayers and those early teachings and those early foundations to draw him back to himself, and he might just write the the most well-known American Christian hymn in the history of our nation, Amazing Grace. Keep going, Mom, and keep loving and keep praying. Yes, there are going to be obstacles and disappointments and setbacks in seeking to raise a family for God's glory, but God can give you the strength and make up the hedge where you are weak. If there's a father missing, he can be that heavenly father. He told us that when we are weak, then he is strong. He told us that he has a a special love for for widows and fatherless and and those that are in affliction. He He told us that he'll make up the hedge there. Isn't it a beautiful thing that Paul specifically singled these ladies out? He didn't have to but a reminder of the power of godly mothers. We need ladies who are committed to the task of godly motherhood. Our job is not just to give our children a better life than we had. Isn't that kind of the American mentality? I'm a success as a parent if my my kids had a more comfortable life than me, if they had more stuff than me. How about if they had more Christ than me? They learned more of Scripture than I did. Let's get our priorities where they should be and realize we don't know what God's going to do with those eternal souls that are growing up in our home, but we can try to be like Lois and Eunice in the midst of heartache, in the midst of pain, in the midst of probably some bad decisions. In the midst of all of those things, God might just use us to bring up a young person that will bring great honor and glory to God. We need ladies who are committed to the task of godly motherhood, as the poem so wisely said back in 1865, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. If God entrusts a child to your care, there are not many things that are more important, not a career, a reputation, a position of power. May God raise up some more Eunice and Loises with unfeigned faith that impact their family for generations.